Welcome to this episode of the Greater Phoenix Chambers podcast, Let's Talk Business Phoenix, with me, your host, Todd Sanders, President and CEO of the Greater Phoenix Chamber. In each episode, we tackle important issues and subjects affecting our businesses, our community, and the state today. Through relevant, timely topics, this podcast serves as the business community's voice with the mission of championing business growth, identifying problems that restrict economic development, and conveying community leaders to move Phoenix forward. Let's Talk Business Phoenix was produced in partnership with Ideas Collide, an agency offering a full suite of custom marketing solutions for your brand's unique challenges. Serving local, regional, and global client partners since 2005. Make a connection and learn how we can drive impact for your brand at ideascollide.com. Welcome back to the podcast. We are really excited today to have our incoming chairman of the board, um, who's also the managing partner of Tower Hunter International, Scott Smith. Scott, welcome. So so pleased to have you here today. Thank you. Great to be with you, Todd. Well, uh, for those people who maybe aren't familiar with with you and, and your work, maybe tell us a little bit about about you um, and and what you do. Well, Todd, I, I uh, it's it's just delightful to be with you, and and uh, probably the foundation of of me and who I am is. Uh, I'm one of the five original Phoenicians. <laughs> There's not many of us right. out there, and uh, and so a lot of love for this community yeah. and for and for the city and the state. So it's it's a thrill to be able to work with uh, members of the chamber. Um, I'm uh, I've married 18 grandkids, so and you're busy. Uh, and so we're busy, and and life is uh, life is life is good. Uh, and you married up. I met your wife. She's I, delightful. So I, you're, I, you're a lucky guy. I, I double married up. Yes. And she I, continues to, uh, to, to have me in, in, uh, and be happy with our, with our marriage. She's awesome. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned uh, uh, native Arizonan. Um, talk to us a little bit, a little bit about what you do. I mentioned Tower Hunter, but give people a sense for what, what that means. Yeah. I was one of the, one of the founding partners of Tower Hunter Executive Search and that, uh, and we started the we started the firm in two thousand and one, uh, and it's been a thrill to to serve uh, to serve our clients uh, nationwide during that time. Uh, we are a small boutique executive search firm, primarily focused on healthcare insurance, uh, not for profit, and uh, and 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 our work is nationwide. Uh, and, the, and the focus is on executive positions within those organizations. Well, and and certainly I'm gonna I want to get into that a little bit more here in a few minutes. But we also like to always ask, uh, you know, people can look you up, they can see your resume. But tell us something about you that we wouldn't know necessarily from looking at your bio that we'd we'd find interesting. Oh my, um, probably the thing that, uh, that that many people don't know about me is that I have this love for for upholstering furniture and cars and that kind of thing. And that's, really? that's, that's a, a love of mine that yeah. I, I learned in high school. I, uh, I, I did it to put myself through college. Uh, and since that time, it's something I've done for my children when they marry and et cetera, to upholster furniture uh, for them. It's great. To, that's it's great a great ther- skill. It's great therapy late at night. Yes. Well, and, and, you know, obviously if all, all fails, you can always fall back to that. <laughs> well, that yes, yes, I, yes, I could. But it is, it's been something I've enjoyed. And most people don't know. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I love that. I, did, I didn't. I've known you for a long time and I'm, I'm glad to know that. So your, your journey, your professional career, how, how did you end up doing this kind of work? 
Is that when, when you graduated, you thought, right. yeah, that's what I want to do? Or did you somehow fall into that? Well, of course, there's no college where you can get a degree in executive <laughs> search. So uh, after my my university education, I, I went to work for, uh, back in the day, Checker Auto Parts and Yellow Front Stores. Oh, yeah. So only the five or ten uh, original Arizonans are going to know who those Yellow two Front. organizations are. Yeah. So I got uh, experience experience there, and then ultimately went into retail. And in 1999, uh, I went into executive search, and have been in it uh, ever since that uh, that time. And 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 frankly, see this as a as as a way to bless families. Uh, we we have we have a bit of a, a, a you know a saying in our firm that if. That if an opportunity is not going to be a blessing to a person, then it's not the right job. And, uh, and so we look at, at what we do as something that will, will be a blessing to families. Well, you know, and I, I think that's such a great way of looking at it because, uh, you know, you really are changing lives with this work. Right, right. Uh, so obviously a lot of time has been in the workforce, um, in the recruitment side, but also just in, in, in the corporate side of America. What changes have you seen um, in in the workplace in that time? What are some of the most significant changes? Oh, I you know, I probably the some of the most significant changes are the, of course, remote work has become far more yeah. uh, important. I, we I have certainly seen organizations restructure where they're structured around centers of excellence versus versus just geographical. Um, mm-hmm. uh, organizations and, uh, and leadership has changed through oh, the so. years in the way, in the way people, the way people lead. I'll give you an example. I mean, I, we've been teetering over the last, uh, year or so on a recession and mm-hmm. some would say we're in it. Others will say we're going to be in it. Right. You know, Todd, we don't have any leaders that have led organizations through recessions. The, the last time this happened was during the Jimmy Carter administration. What do you mean inflation? In, inflationary yes. times yes. and recessionary yes. times, yeah. Yeah. particularly with inflation. Sure. Um, That's a good and, point. And so it is, a, it is a new world of being able to, rele- to lead remote workforces, yeah. to lead during really uh, um, times that are not typical to lead, which, which takes a leader that's going to be far more involved in the business and far more inclusive of, of hearing ideas from, from their team. Well, it's, it, you know, it's stunning to think of that. It's true. Uh, the Carter years were sort of the last years where we saw That's this right. high inflation and, and this uncertainty. And, and now those of us in leadership positions, we don't know what that looks like or what it feels like. And we're having to sort of learn it as we go. That's correct. So um, you talk about sort of this move to a virtual workplace is there a correct answer to that question? Either remote, all in, hybrid. Is there a, is there a right answer to that? No one seems to have sort of one particular I, way of going. I, I think just in the last two years, you and I have seen the pendulum swing back and forth. Of course, during COVID, uh, we went uh, we swung all the way where everything was virtual. I'm starting to see with my clients things swinging back to the middle. Where there's where there's a hybrid environment, I think the challenge that my clients and 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 our and businesses in the chamber are going to wrestle with is how do they continue to have an innovative uh, business 
when their staff is remote off times. Uh, innovation happens. Um, it, it doesn't happen on demand. It happens, it, it happens in, in impromptu meetings that happen where people go to lunch or they, uh, mm-hmm. they sit down in one another's cube or office and they share an idea. We're not accustomed, you know, to, to innovate via Zoom. So I think that's going to be the big challenge in, in these hybrid environments. How do we continue to be innovative? Well, I think that's a good point. I think people talk about whether or not the work's getting done. And you can argue that the work gets done. That's right. The strategy, those those kinds of things or, or innovation is hard to do or Zoom. I know we were worked, as you know, we worked on our strategic plan a lot going into last year. And we had to be in person and we had to mask up and we we, we did it. But, it, but it, it really necessitated being together in a room. Yeah, I, the, the best ideas come, mm-hmm. they come in an impromptu environment. Thinking about leaders for today, you know, how do they have to be different than the leaders of just 10 years ago in terms of this environment that we live in? Well, I think my observation is that, that the that leaders of today have to not only be focused on results, but they have to be focused on involving others which requires a, a building a culture. And, uh, and, and I think challenges that leaders have is, is our behaviors as leaders uh, really are what the culture is. And so we, we have to, in a different way than we ever have, uh, walk the talk and, and be able to emulate the, the, uh, the posters that are on many of our walls that say, here's what our our vision is or, or what's critical in our business, we have to be seen as those that are actually doing those things and creating that culture through our own behaviors. Well, and it sounds I think like that's a, that's, that's something that leaders are going to have to focus on more than ever. It does. And I think ego seems to play into this too, where you're checking your ego more than you probably had to in the past. Certainly has and, and does. I, I think, I think leaders that, and we see it every day in the news. Leaders that are failing are ones that uh, don't involve others, don't listen to others, and uh, it eventually catches up. You bet. So, okay, now we're going to turn the focus on you. What's your leadership style? Oh, my. If you ask my staff, they, they probably say schizophrenic sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, my style is, is results-oriented, and, uh, and I will and, – and I will uh, – Catch most details, but not all. Uh, I, I, from a detail orientation, I probably am an eighty percenter, but uh, but love to love to charge the hill and uh, and and have have results. Now, on the other side of the coin, I love to have relationships with people that I work with, and and so it. Uh, I've been blessed with those that I've been surrounded with in my career. To have uh, have people that I've worked with that that are far better than I in the work that so we do. Hire hire the best people and then hold them to to, to the metrics that everyone agrees to. It sounds That's right. like. So, how do you define leadership? Well, my definition would be, uh, you know, great leaders are those that uh, create a culture through their own behaviors. Well, I can't argue and, with that. And. Uh, well, it's, as sim- it's as simple as that. And then, and then once that culture is created, they create an environment where people will lead themselves. I like it. 
Let's transition now to, to the chamber. You've been on the board a number of years. You've been a really strong contributor. I mean, when I think about leadership, part of it from a, from our perspective is the idea of servant leadership. Um, and, and you've certainly been a servant leader on our board. Now you're you're taking the reins here uh, in just a very few uh, short days. You'll be we'll be handing over the the reins to you. You know, when you think about the chamber for the next year, what, what are some of the things you'd like to see um, from the chamber as we head into the next fiscal year? Now, first of all, I'm just so impressed with with the board and and the entire board is blessed with uh, with a chamber staff from the CEO uh, throughout the organization as as what I would say is one of the best. Organiz- best chamber organizations in the country. So, so it's it's easier as a board member when we uh, when when you have a staff like that. But the way I the way I view what we need to accomplish this next year is to continue to build on what we have. I think we can we we have an obligation as a chamber to uh, to develop relationships with our political leaders and with our business leaders. And with our not not-for-profit community in in the organization, and knit all those together to create a, a an environment in our city that can accomplish great things. Uh, independently, none of those groups can accomplish what we need to have done. Agreed. Agreed. And and I would say the same thing for the for the board. We need to have everyone at the table. What what drives you to be a part of not only the chamber but a nonprofit or, or a, a community organization. Clearly, you, you have enough demands on your time, right. uh, and you're well compensated for that time. What makes you? What drives you to to devote so much time to organizations like ours? Well, it probably starts with these 18 grandkids that all live here in in the community. Um, what kind of education are they going to be getting? What what work opportunities are going to going to be there for them? Uh, what kind of environment are they going to live in relative to uh, affordable housing in Arizona and relative to our water supply and other policy issues that that uh, we are tackling and will need to continue to tackle as as the chamber works with with our elected leaders and, and with businesses and, and other organizations? That's what drives me to do it. And uh and so I don't have much time left in my running my business. I, I'm certainly in an age where it's probably not going to go on for too much longer. But but uh, this would be a way that I can give back for my family and, and others. Well, it's, it's certainly significant. Um, and we don't take it for granted. You, you mentioned, I think, an important point about the business community being uh, intentional about building relationships with each other, uh, with elected officials, nonprofits. So much now in the political arena is so divisive, and I see members of the business community that would just rather not. And I can understand why, but why do you think that they need to do this and how? Well, I think the role that, first of all, I think the role that the chamber plays is, is, uh, is get involved in, these, in the committees we have around policy issues for our, our members. Take the time to, uh, to, to listen in. Most of them are virtual. Yeah. Uh, meetings and listen in and weigh in so that the chamber can effectively represent its members. Um, and we do it so successfully uh, to try and advocate for for business. So so first, it's be involved in those in those in those key policy areas um, uh, would be to me the most critical thing that can be done so that we can know 
how you feel and how we can represent your interests. And as to the divisiveness, I mean, do you feel like we were, we were at a point where it's the America is so divided that, that we almost democracy is having a hard time functioning. Is there a way back? Is there a way forward? It, it, America is so divided, but let's look at, let's just take care of our own right here. I, uh, my experience over the last year or so is we do have, we have a mayor that's listening and has been a friend of the chamber. Uh, we have a governor that's listening and a friend of the chamber. And uh, while there may be differences politically and, you know, they're listening, they want to hear what we feel needs to be done. So uh, I think, I think we can, we can be different here in the city of Phoenix and in Arizona. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's what makes us uh, so strong. You referenced the workforce side. Obviously, you're you're well aware of the challenges we're right. facing, not only in Arizona, but nationally on the workforce front. Um, where should the chamber really be focusing those workforce efforts? Obviously, we're in some of the high schools. We're talking to industry. You know, where else should we be looking? And, and, and do you think this is long-term something we should continue to do? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I... Uh, as you know, Todd, all signs point west <laughs> across this country. And, you know, what is the city of Phoenix now? Five, greater Phoenix, five million people right. projected to be nearly six million in the next five or six years. Uh, we have to have an education system that's going to support, uh, the, the number of people we have. And, and that education system needs to improve. And the chamber has made a huge focus on, uh, on, on us improving that so that we have more, more of our students, uh, in high school that are graduating with meaningful AA degrees. Uh, I think we need to improve there and expand that and get others involved, uh, with us in that effort to create that workforce that is ready. Now, the most critical part of that, and I think that we've been leading out in the chamber in this way, is we have to listen to business so that we know in in our education, our educators know what is it that business needs and what are the skills we need. It's such a good point. We're on our way, but we need to continue. Well, it's easy to point the finger um, at the education system, but if we're not talking to them and explaining what we need and how, uh, then we're sort of setting them up to fail. So um, I want to kind of go back to your business. Uh, obviously, you you could be anywhere. You you do work nationally. What um, what keeps you in Arizona from a business perspective? Well, I you know we love this town <laughs> and this state, and the, you know it's it's got everything our family needs. Now we have clients across the country, yeah. and uh, and as I often tell clients. I live where I live and I'll get on a plane and come see you. And, uh, and that's, and, and that's, uh, you know, we live here just because of the quality of life and, and we want to per- continue to protect that. And, and the type of business I'm in, I can run it from anywhere and, uh, and, and clients are, are good with that. So obviously it's a good place to do business. What are some, if, if, if policymakers are listening or others, what are some of the headwinds in doing business here in Arizona? What are some of the challenges? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go back to a couple of things I've already said. I think housing mm-hmm. is a, is a big deal as, uh, for firms like mine that are recruiting people to Arizona, uh, affordable housing is a, is an issue. 
and availability of housing is an issue. Our school systems are uh, in so many ways very good, but there's there, there are opportunities. I had an, an employer tell me the other day, we try and inc- recruit people to come here and they can't get their kids into certain school systems because they're filled up and it, and there's just long wait, wait lists. Uh, that can't be forever with a community like ours that's growing. So it's going to take a partnership between our elected officials, between uh, um, uh, businesses uh, uh, school districts, et cetera, to make sure we, we have the brick and mortar, uh, to be here. Well, and it's, it's such an important point. I mean, I know I talked to colleagues, for instance, in, in LA and they feel like the, the housing discussion is, is, is almost impossible to tackle because it's just so out of control here. Right. We still have some opportunity and, and certainly some private sector uh, solutions we can bring to the table. And the same thing goes for education. We have pockets of excellence and, and we have, we I do. think, really amazing teachers out there. Um, and I, I think this is an opportunity for us to do something proactively. It's blocking and tackling. This isn't reinventing the wheel. That's right. So as, as you talk to um, people coming into the workforce, I'm thinking about my son who eventually will be <laughs> in the workforce here in a few years. Um, what, what advice are you, are you giving to young people coming into the workforce? Probably... Probably most important is to be dedicated and diligent and, uh, and, and demonstrate that you're all in. Uh, you know, with some of the younger workers now, there's this, there's this desire to, what's the old slogan, have it your way Mm -hmm. and, uh, and recognize that organizations will, will hire you not only for your professional skill, but your willingness to be involved, be dedicated, go the extra mile. Is this, that would be my advice. Well, and I think it's a great advice, but is that, would you give that advice to a Gen Xer back in the day, or is this particular to the millennials and the, and the Gen Zers of today? I don't know that it's, I, I think you, you and I go, we go way back and yeah. I, I think the same advice could be given uh, all along the uh, the way uh, over the years, I think it is consistent. Um, uh, organizations I work with, even though a person may have talent, if they're not all in with the with the vision and mission of the organization, they'll be exposed quickly and uh, and they won't fit in. It is true. I mean, those and, people stand uh, out, don't they? Yeah, they do. In in those that demonstrate that they're all in to what the organization is doing, um, regardless of where you're at on your skill set, you're going to find and they are going to find that, that uh, they're going to fit in much better. So I, I'd like you to maybe put on, uh, you know, put, put out your crystal ball and I want to ask you about the future. And the example that I'm going to use is there's a story about London, turn of the last century, was doing its master plan and they, they planned for, you know, quote unquote parking for, for two million horses. <laughs> and, and of course, that quickly went by the wayside. And you think about all the industries that changed as a result, right? right? Thinking about the future here, like even the next 10 to 15, 20 years, how do you think the workforce and the demand for labor is going to change? What are, what are we thinking just about AI and the writer strike and thinking that AI is going to take their jobs? What does this look like in the future? 
Very good. Uh, that's a very good question. I, you know, I, I think the future is certainly going to involve some AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, education is going to pay, play a big role. I think, I think, I think the workforce is going to be filled with those, uh, um, with those students or those uh, high school grads that are very focused on what they want to do. This, the, the service industry is going to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but those that go in, you know, that, that get an education are going to have to focus their careers on specific skills that, that are going to be needed. So thinking about, for instance, executive recruiting. Sure. And AI, let's just think about sort of chat GT or GP or whatever it's called. Um, how would that change your industry? You know, when you can actually have, you can have a machine write up, for instance, so much of what you're currently having to sort of think up. How will that change your industry and what will that mean for people? Well, I think it could change it some, but uh, in my industry, uh, I think the individual touch and the, you know, most executives do not want to, uh, they want the individual touch of a recruiter that they work with to help them through a process of going from one job to the other. Um, but where AI can affect it is our ability to find that potential candidate. That's, that's what is going to speed up in the right. future. And that's the secret sauce right. of the work that you do. And I, right. and I know because you helped us with the search um, and it was extraordinarily successful. Um, well, I, I want to thank you, Mr. Chairman. I guess we'll hopefully Aaron will let me let me say that now um, for for what you've done for the last several years, and we look forward to um, this this upcoming year. I know you and I have talked. We have some big plans, and we do, and um, would love to have you come back and provide a briefing when when we're kind of well underway. But before we let you go, we're going to do a quick lightning round with you, um, and you know how this goes. You've been around long enough. Um, first job, first job that you had, I mean, it could have been in. Grade school, high school. For, the, for those that for those that have been in Phoenix a long time, first job was a busboy at Neptune's Table, a seafood restaurant. Where was that in Central Phoenix? Neptune's Table. Where was it? Oh, it was on. Uh, boy, I'm have to remember. It's gone now. It's <laughs> like like 16th Street and Northern, something like okay. that. I can't remember. And you're a busboy. I was a busboy. Nice. What did you learn? I, you know, that was foundational for me. I yeah. learned that if you are in the in the food service business, you hustle. Yep. And uh, and and I learned to just in my career hustle. Yeah. Well, I think and, you learn to appreciate the people hard. who are serving, right? Um, dream job, and I know you have an amazing job now. But what would be the dream job? You know, I grew up. My, my father was a was a high school coach in cross country and track. Dream, dream job would to be would be to be a high school coach. Wouldn't that be awesome? I I would. I what would love sport? It. Cross country and track. Awesome. Yeah, I would. I would love. I would love to do that and love working with high school students. It's phenomenal. I have to agree that that would be a lot of fun. Okay, and final question: your um, your superhero alter ego. Who would you be if you had if you could pick any of one of these superheroes out there? Oh. Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Okay, not necessarily superhero, but certainly, I mean, iconic. Yes. Okay, but let's go. Su- let's go superhero. It would have to be Spider Man. Why? Uh, just the, just the ability to swing from building to building and all that. My grandkids love that character. Well, if my son was here, he would say you're 100 percent correct. He just saw the, the last Spider Man movie and loved it. Right. So, right answer. 
Thank you. Uh, Scott, thank you. Thanks Todd, again thank for spending you. so much time. We appreciate you, my Look friend. Look forward to working with you this All year. Right. Thanks. Thanks.